in the first century, women would not have been considered in their culture, in their society, the most credible of witnesses. But nonsense, nonsense, that sounds kind of harsh. There's something bigger at play than the culture of the day, church family. It's the idea that a literal, physical, bodily resurrection of an individual was just completely unimaginable to them. And that is why the idea of someone who was dead, someone that they knew was dead, that had now come back to life, just seemed like absolute nonsense to them. But then Peter himself goes and looks in that tomb and sees the grave clothes lying there, sees those strips of linen. Daniel Overdorf teaches at Johnson University in Knoxville. And Daniel, I heard him recently in Arkansas. I drove over to Harding University to hear him lecture for a day. And he was telling a story of a time when he was in China. And he was preaching in China. And they told him, Daniel, when you speak in China, we want you to be bold, but we want you to be subtle. Kind of be understated. In other words, you know, word gets out that you're here and that you're preaching about Jesus, you know, this is a communist nation. Religion is forbidden. And so Daniel Overdorf looked at him and said, bold but subtle. He said, yeah, I don't know what that means. He said, I'm just going to tell him about Jesus. And so there he stood before those Chinese folks who were so excited to hear the story of Jesus because it was new to them. And as he would tell the story and as the story would unfold, he would talk about the miracles and he would teach some of the parables that Jesus taught. Taught them what Jesus taught about prayer. And then... When those folks, so excited to hear the story of Jesus for the first time, when they got to that point where Jesus is crucified, he said they absolutely cringed. He said some of them cried. And then he said, and then when he got to the resurrection, they cheered. Imagine today a movie audience you know, that doesn't know the story and the hero of the story dies or at least they think he's dead and then only to find that, no, wait, he's alive. You're kidding, really? He's alive? Oh my goodness. And see, church, I think we take it for granted. I think we 100% absolutely take this day, we take Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, completely for granted. Because we know the story and we've heard it so many times. 
and in our minds, in our emotions, the story over time has become diluted. And that's sad, isn't it? And so my prayer this morning is that we can go back to that moment when Peter looked in that tomb and saw those grave clothes lying there in that new, empty, fresh tomb where no other body had been laid and that we can look at this story with fresh eyes. Will you pray with me about that? Our Father God, as we come before you, help us, Lord. Help us to see something in the resurrection story Lord, with there may be somebody here who has never truly heard it before. But I suspect that most have. That almost all have. And so, Father, please allow your Spirit to work in us today in a way that allows us to hear this story fresh and new. That rekindles something in our hearts that our hearts will burn just a little bit this morning. That our hearts will be pierced by your divine word. Father, as always, I pray that this message is yours and yours alone. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. We turn to Luke 24 and pick up with verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are! And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? 
And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. I'm going to stop there in verse 27. I'm going to come back and we'll pick up the rest of it in just a little bit. But think about it for a moment. They're walking along. It's a distance of about seven miles where they're going. Some of your translations may say something like 60 stadia. And so they're walking along, and this is a pretty good hike, seven miles. If you go north seven miles, that'll put you in Hickman County. If you go west seven miles, that's going to put you in Perry County. So I don't know about you, but it's, it's a longer walk than I want to undertake, especially in these shoes. And so there they are walking along the road, and he comes up beside him and asks, Hey, what are you, what are you folks talking about? It says, Luke tells us, that their faces are downcast a bit. Probably took a bit of courage for them to even start talking about Jesus the way they did. Because after all, this is just a couple of days after Jesus had been crucified. A capital punishment, even though he was innocent. But to see someone executed outside the city gate and there were no doubt people that the Jewish leadership had put in the city and around the city hey, if anybody's still talking about this guy we want to know about it and so there very is likely some spies you might call them out there so it takes a bit of courage. But then Cleopas, we don't know who the other person was. Some speculate that it was Cleopas's wife, Mary. We have no way of knowing that for sure, but regardless of who it was, they start saying, hey, where have you been? What rock did you crawl out from under? Are you the only person in the city that hasn't kept up with what's going on these last few days? You ever kind of miss the news for two or three days and then somebody's talking about something and you're like, well, when did that happen? They're like, have you not watched the news? Have you not read the papers? And then sometimes, I don't know about you, but somebody's going to say, no. <laughs> no, I haven't. Fill me in. What's going on? And so he's telling them a story and they're saying, hey, man, we thought he was the one that was going to redeem Israel. Because just like those Chinese folks that Daniel Overdorf was preaching to, these folks know what it's like to feel oppressed. They live in occupied territory, occupied by Rome. They know what it's like to walk down a city street and see some Roman guards standing their post at different places. And so they know what it's like to live in a place and to worship in a place but still have this overwhelming, overarching pagan influence in their city and in their region. 
And so they're thinking, hey, this we thought this was the guy. We really, man, we put our faith in him. We thought he was the one who was going to show those pagans what the truth is. We thought he was the one who was going to redeem Israel from their hands. But then they mention, don't miss this church, they mention our leaders handed him over to be crucified, right? They also were hoping that he would overcome the religious establishment of the day. And that he was going to set everything right once and for all. And they're like, man, and here it is. It's the third day now, and and man, he's just dead. We got nothing. And then what does Jesus say? In so many words, he says, wake up, y'all. Don't you know what the scriptures say? And I could just see Jesus unpacking, you know, Isaiah 53. Or some of the chapters of Zechariah. Some of the Psalms. All of these books of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament scriptures, that point toward Jesus. That point toward crucifixion and death. That point toward resurrection. And so you can imagine that this is, this is some sermon right here. Now that part about how they were kept from recognizing him, we don't know what to make of that. Uh, and I don't feel bad because I looked through about five, six, seven books and they all said, yeah, we don't know what to make of that. It's one of those supernatural things that's just beyond us. We won't know. If we stand before the Lord someday and we each get a question, I'll be prompting somebody, hey, ask him about the road to Emmaus and why they couldn't recognize Jesus. Ask him about, you know. But no, we don't know why they couldn't recognize him at this point. We just know they couldn't. But church, if you take nothing else from this narrative, I want you to go home with this today. These two people walking along this road are confused. They are bewildered. They are grieving. They're not sure what the next move is. And so when you find yourself grieving, when you find yourself in one of those moments where there's something going on and you don't know where to turn. When you are overwhelmed, overcome, bewildered. Imagine for a moment Jesus walking with you. Imagine Jesus walking there right beside you. Caring about you. Being willing to guide you. And so we resume with verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. 
But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So we, so he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized them, recognized by them when he broke the bread. I think back to Genesis 3. There was food in the garden. The man and woman that God created in his own image weren't supposed to eat of that fruit. But what did they do? They ate of that fruit. The fruit looked good. They were enticed. And so the woman took it and ate it and gave it to her husband who was right there with her. And he ate it. And then what happened when they ate it? Their eyes were opened. And it was kind of one of those moments where they looked at each other and, you know, it was like, ooh, awkward. Right? And they suddenly were felt compelled to make body covering out of fig leaves. And now we fast forward all these years later, all these centuries later, and there's Jesus at the table doing something breaking that bread and then their eyes are opened Jesus who righted the wrong on the cross that took place in the garden all those many years earlier Jesus who rights all the wrongs of humanity if only we believe in him right church that there is coming a day when all the wrongs of humanity will be made right. It's been said that the miracles that Jesus performs, that that is exactly what He is doing. He is righting all wrongs, or giving us a glimpse at least of how one day when He returns, all wrongs will be made right. All the injustices of the, of the world will cease to exist. Someone told a story recently about going to Disney World with their family. And if you've ever been to Disney World in Orlando, Florida, you walk in the gates of the Magic Kingdom and what is there but Cinderella's Castle. And you got the statue pictured here in the foreground of Walt Disney holding the hand of that animated character that put Disney Studios on the map, Mickey Mouse. And so in the background, though, it's just unmistakable. It's, it's an iconic structure. Part of the Disney logo, you can't watch an, a Disney film without seeing that 
castle, you know, hearing the da 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 da, and then little Tinkerbell, and then poof, there's the little wand, and then boom, it's fireworks. And if you've seen one Disney movie, you've seen, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. And if you've been in the Magic Kingdom at night, then they have a fireworks display. And so at night, uh, they, they, it's not just any fireworks display, though, uh, to hear it told uh, that they now uh, use, because, I mean, Disney employs some of the greatest creative minds around, and, and they use not only the castle itself, but the trees and other buildings surrounding that landscape. And they make everything like one big movie screen, and they're showing clips of Disney movies on this screen. And the guy said, and then I looked around, and he said, and how was everybody watching that magnificent thing that was unfolding? I mean, your eyes could hardly take it in. It was, it's over here, and it's over here, and oh my goodness, look at that, and man, that fireworks. But then how are people viewing it, church? Like this. On a 5.8 inch screen, they're viewing something huge. And if you can pick it up in the foreground, oh yeah, there they are. You see their screens lit up, don't you? There they are. Man, this is bigger than life. This is amazing. Oh my goodness. And I'm going to stand here in front of it all and watch it on my 5.8 inch screen. Oh man. That is, that is something else. You get the point? They were there. They saw it. But they didn't experience it. And it's so easy for us to leave here today on a day where maybe some of us dressed up a little more than usual for a typical Sunday morning. On a day that there's Easter egg hunts and good food and family and friends and lots of stuff going on. And yet, we just worship the God who loved us enough that He gave us a Savior who conquered death. Not just Himself, but for all of humanity if we would merely believe if we would merely confess His name and be obedient in baptism. And yet, sometimes then we don't fully experience Jesus. John Mark Hicks, who teaches at Lipscomb, some of you heard me read from his book, Anchors for the Soul, uh, several weeks ago. But he says here, the goal is our happiness as God defines it. This yields an important principle. We are often self-absorbed with our own happiness. Everything we do has the goal of happiness. If we are unhappy in our marriage, we get a divorce. If we're unhappy in our work, we change jobs. We expend a great amount of energy in recreation. For some, it's escapism in things like drugs and alcohol. For some, it's adventures. It might be thrill-seeking. People that 
engage in rock climbing or jumping off the New River Gorge Bridge in West Virginia with their with a parachute. For some, they are thrill-seeking in sexual exploits. In order to satisfy a deep longing for happiness or to forget their unhappiness. We promote, use, and even distort whatever we possess. Power, wealth, fame, knowledge, talents, family, and even religion in the hope that we might find happiness in those things. We are restless until we are happy and we are unhappy because we are restless. God's goal for us is happiness, but it is not the kind of happiness which we self-absorbed, broken humans seek. We seek our own selves, our own autonomy, and our own independence. God's goal, however, is that we find happiness in communion with the triune community. He's talking about Father, Son, and Spirit there. God desires our happiness but has also defined it. Happiness is to enjoy God forever. Last couple of sentences here. We are designed for happiness, but we have always looked for it in the wrong places. We seek the creature rather than the creator. We seek sensual pleasure rather than communion with God. We choose the tangible over the intangible. The seen over the unseen, the temporal over the eternal. We choose ourselves, others, or things over God. We have been looking for love in all the wrong places. And church family, I believe there's a lot of truth in those words. I believe that we worship God that we pray in the name of Jesus. But we miss out on the experience because we don't have the kind of deep relationship with God through Jesus Christ that He seeks to have with us. And that we look for fulfillment in what the world has to offer. A broken, fallen, sinful world rather than what in what God has to offer. I close with the words of Jesus this morning. Talking to Thomas, then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And that is the blessing that befalls all of us today on this Resurrection Sunday. This Easter 2023. My prayer is that when we leave this place and go out into the world, we don't call that the real world, it's just the world. Because nothing is more real than what we've been discussing in here this morning. And so we go out into the world and we take this with us, this blessing that we have believed in what we cannot see. And that, church, is the very definition of faith. But let's have a faith that truly changes us on a deep level and helps us to love God and love others in a very real and tangible way. If you're with us this morning and you have not yet made the declaration that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then we offer an invitation. 
that you can come forward this morning and confess Jesus as Lord and enter the watery grave of baptism and change your life once and for all. And if you're here this morning and there's something weighing on you that you would appreciate the prayers of a faithful body, then we offer the invitation for that reason as well. Let's stand together and sing.